you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Luke. It's the text in which we will use our, our message out of this morning. You know, as, as we begin to look at Christmas season, sometimes people don't respond to Christmas the way they probably ought to respond. And, and, and so here's a few things that, that um, I thought would be interesting to look at. That you might not be responding properly to Christmas if you turn on lawn sprinklers when the Christmas carolers come to your house to sing. Um, you know, that's probably not the best thing. And, and I don't know if you've had Christmas carolers in your neighborhood, but it was an old tradition that used to just people would celebrate the fact of going out and Christmas caroling and sharing the, the wonderful message of Jesus' birth in song. But if you're trying to shoo them away, that's probably not the best response. You might not be responding to Christmas properly if you buy your Christmas tree at a truck stop tonight on your way home so that you'll have one for tomorrow morning, all right? So just be attentive to that. Also, you might not be responding properly to Christmas if you are the type of person who gives bathroom fixtures as Christmas gifts, right? Um, anybody doing that this year? Nobody. See? That's right. All right. How about this? Uh, you might not be responding if, if your favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. <laughs> now, there's been a debate. Is it really a Christmas movie? And some of you are diehard fans that it is a Christmas movie, right? All right, so I, I, I'm just saying, all right? And you might not be responding to Christmas properly if your best Christmas tradition involves fire and reindeer meat, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. How about uh, you might not be responding to Christmas properly if your favorite pastime is be putting defective bulbs in your neighbor's Christmas light display. <laughs> Anybody have the ultimate neighbor that's got all those lights, you know, just bright as day in the middle of 3 a.m. in the morning, right? You might not be responding to Christmas properly if your only holiday decoration is a rotting pumpkin. Some of you need to clean your porches, I have a feeling, because I have seen some of those out there, all right? It's time to, to move on, all right? Finally, you might not be responding to Christmas properly if you buy all your Christmas gifts at a store that also sells gas, right? One of the things, I loved my brother on Christmas Eve. It was always as we gathered around at the family in St. Louis, Christmas Eve, he'd like, okay, John, let's go. It's time to go get Christmas gifts. And so Christmas Eve, we'd be heading out to any store that might be open that night because he had to make sure he had gifts for the morning, right? So I don't know where you are in your Christmas preparations. But I want you to know this. The right response has nothing to do with all that we just talked about. The right response, I think, we find in the book of Luke, chapter 2, beginning in verse 8 through verse 20. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying 
in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds, I think they had the right response to that first Christmas. They had been informed by the angel of the, the, the wonderful news that was for all of mankind that a Savior was born in Bethlehem, the city of David, and he was bringing peace and joy into this world. And they had one response to that message they heard. Their response was to go seek him out, find him, and worship him. And that really is the same response that we should have today. We should be still seeking out a Savior. And when we discover Him, we should be glorifying and praising Him. But how do we respond today to the news that God has sent His Son into this world to take on flesh and blood and to, to dwell among us? How do we respond to the fact that, that what he has done has freed us from the bondage of slavery and death? And how do we respond to a baby that is born in a manger who was sent to die for our sinful desires and then to become a part of our lives? Now, over the past few weeks, we have been doing this sermon series, Dreaming of a Right Christmas, and we've discovered that in order to have a right Christmas, we must have the right focus which is Jesus. And we've learned that in order to have a right Christmas, we, have, we need to develop the right rhythm, which is marked by peace and patience. And today, I want you to know that, that in order us to continue to have the right Christmas, we also have a right response to what God has done for us. You can tell a lot about a person by how they respond in, in certain situations. And one of my favorite stories is about a man who, who went to the doctor uh, because he'd had an injury on his chin. And, and so he, he went to the doctor, and, and as he walked in, he met the nurse there at the reception, and, and he told her, he says, I've, I've hurt my chin, and I need to see the doctor. And she says, down the hall to the right, take off your clothes. He says, well, it's just a chin. I just need to just see the doctor for a minute. Down the hall to your right and take off your clothes. But ma'am, it's just down the hall to your right and take off your clothes. <laughs> he just quit arguing with her. He went down the hall and he found that door to the right and he opened it up and there sits another man shivering in his boxers. <laughs> and he's like, 
Uh, okay, he says, so to kind of break the ice, he says, I don't know about you, but that's probably the most mean-spirited nurse I've ever run into. And he says, you're telling me. He says, I'm the UPS man. (laughs) (laughs) You get it, right? Sometimes people, their spirit is just not where it needs to be. I mean, we've all met people who have a response that isn't always favorable to us people who rub us the wrong way or or who simply just don't see things the way that we see and we have a difference of opinion. So how do you respond when we get news that a Savior has been born in the city of Bethlehem who is bringing joy to the world and peace for all mankind? What is our reaction to that? Our society has responded to Christmas in several ways this year. We've played with the meaning of words, whether it's, it's Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, right? Others have tried to downplay Christmas by trying to be uh, inclusive in all of our Christmas traditions that they've lost the uniqueness of what Christmas is really about. But let's go back there in in Luke 2, verse 10, and, and look at what was actually said. The angels said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So this morning I want us to understand that the proper response to Christmas we can discover in the lives as it's displayed from the shepherds. See, the first right response that I think we see is that of the, it comes through contentment. So let's look at our shepherds this morning. The occupation of a shepherd was was a very common occupation in the time of Jesus. And in that region, they were were very much needed. It carried the idea of a job that, that really, if you had no other skills, you could at least watch sheep, right? Israel, a shepherd, had a low position in society, yet shepherds, watched over the animals that one day would be very useful for that society because from the flocks of those shepherds would come the sacrificial lambs that would be offered up on the altar for the sins of people. Though they were not held in high esteem, a shepherd was still considered an honorable profession in Israel because of the sacrificial system. People understood the idea of contentment came from the life of a shepherd. In fact, maybe one of the greatest shepherds of all time became a king, and we know him as David. And he wrote for us a few of the most beautiful psalms that you will read. One of them is Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And we go on through that, and we understand that there is a great shepherd who watches over us, and it's God himself. And Jesus will identify himself as that great shepherd. Shepherds understood contentment. 
They didn't really just jockey around for position. They just simply cared for the sheep. They weren't into rewards. Their focus and their attention was their flock. Shepherds saw their life as one of the common persons, and they understood the words that Solomon wrote in Psalm chapter 30, verse 8 and 9, when he said, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. They understood that we just simply trust in God for our daily provisions. And they found contentment. Maybe this is why God chose to make the announcement of this newborn king to these shepherds first. Rather than announcing it to all the, the, uh, the upper crust of society. But I have a question. How are you dealing with contentment this year? Are you able to rest or are you on edge? Are you anxious and nervous? Are you jittery and, and fearful and wondering what's happening? Or are you content? Are you content knowing that, that Jesus is coming again? And that he may come today? Are you willing to rest in that understanding that he's going to be coming again? Or, or are you content with the, the things that are in life that, that you're struggling with, that you don't have to worry about those things because he will carry those burdens for you? I mean, we have the right response to Christmas when we come to Christmas with contentment. And when we're content in Jesus, we can then experience Christmas in a wonderful way. Now, the right response comes not only with contentment, but the right response comes when we also have the right heart. A couple had been married for several years, and, and if the truth were known, the, the spark was kind of out of their marriage relationship, and so their minister suggested that they go on a marriage retreat week that would help them because there'd be counseling and be things designed to help build and strengthen their marriage. And he, he suggested that they go back and then maybe that might help put the spark back in their life, the romance and the joy. And so the man reluctantly agreed to the suggestion and all was going well at the retreat until the retreat facilitator, he said to the couple, your wife is interested in the smaller things of life. And if you take care of the small things, the big things will work out. Like, do you know what your wife's favorite flower is? So the man, he, he perked up and he leaned over to his wife and he said, Pillsbury, self-rising. <laughs> I don't think he gets it, right? Uh, well, maybe he really understands her, right? We don't know. Obviously, that's probably the wrong response. So did you catch in our, in our message this morning, the, the paragraph that we've read about the, the shepherds and their response? 
after the angels had made this wonderful announcement concerning the birth of Jesus, that last part there in verse 15, it, it shows what went through their minds at that moment. And so they said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Then all of a sudden there is this air of excitement. You, you can sense the fear and the, and the trepidation and the, and the awe of the angels. But as soon as they are gone, now the shepherds get brave enough to speak. And it's like, hey, you want to go with me to Bethlehem and, and, and see if what they just said is real? Let's go find out. And so they took off to go see what they had just been told about having the right heart, wanting to see what God is doing, and falling in love with his actions in this world is what we're supposed to be about. And it's essential for us if there's going to be a right response. On that night, the shepherds' hearts were right. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to go search for this child in Bethlehem. They probably couldn't understand the full meaning of what the angels had just told them. And, 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 and surely they, they understood, though, that they had a need for a Savior and that Messiah was coming. But were they fully comprehending what was transpiring that night? And maybe they were because their hearts were in tune with the great shepherd. Every year, you see, they would watch priests come from Jerusalem and would want to know which of the lambs was perfect, that had no marks, no blemishes, no scars, no, no stains on it. And, and it, was, it was perfect because they were going to take one of these lambs and it was going to be used as a sacrifice for the sins of all of Israel. And they knew that their care for these lambs was very important to make sure that they did not get attacked by outside animals, to make sure that they did not get injured or scarred or, or hurt in some way. These lambs were precious. So when they heard the news that the Lamb of God was born, the one who would give his life and redeem us from our sins. Their heart rejoiced, and they had to go search him out. Many people, however, cannot respond correctly to Christmas because their heart is not where it needs to be. It's not right yet with Christ. And Jesus came into this world not simply to make your hearts right, but to make us right with God. Because his whole purpose was to provide a way that you and I will be able to stand in the very presence of the holy God unashamed, without guilt, unafraid, without fear that he's going to destroy us. He has come so that we would be made righteous and holy by his blood. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5, 17, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, 
Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We know that death came into this world because of Adam's sin. And we know that we ourselves are sinners because we know what we've done and we know who we are. But the grace and the mercy of God has come through one man, Jesus Christ. And in his act, selflessly giving himself on a cross as a sacrifice for us, he is able then to, by his grace, make us righteous so that we can have relationship with God. So the right response to Christmas is really to give back the gift of our life to God, to turn one's heart towards Christ and to receive the righteousness for our lives in which he offers. The shepherds, they sought the Savior and they discovered the one who would one day make them right in the sight of God. And, and this Christmas, why not seek out the one who can change your heart and make your life right with God. For we know that if you seek Him, you will find Him. Well, so far we've discovered that, that the right response, it comes with contentment and having a right heart. But there's another response that is needed. The right response of Christmas is complete when you and I worship Jesus. Here's the good part. Verse 16 through 20. They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They worshipped. And their worship was evident in two ways. First off, they worshipped God for what they had seen and what they had heard and what the angels had expressed and what they were now beholding with their very own eyes, the fulfillment of what the angels had, had told them about. And they were celebrating the fact that they had now seen the Savior of the world. And that was cause for worshiping God. And they worshiped Him and they praised Him. Second, they told everybody that they came in contact with about this experience. They could not contain it. It had to be shared. And so anybody they saw, they stopped and they had to just start jabbering on. And you're wondering, what are you saying? Hold on, slow down. You're talking too fast. I'm not, who, where, what? How many angels? They were communicating. And see, that's a response that we have when we discover what God has done for us. We stop and we worship and give Him our praise. And the second thing we do is we can't keep it silent. We've got to share it with other people. We've got to communicate with those. So this passage of Scripture teaches us some things about worship. First off, worship is not confined to a place or a set time. It's not just done at a building on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. It's done Anywhere and everywhere, in the middle of the night if need be. It's done wherever you go, from house to house, through the marketplace, down the streets, when you encounter people. Worship can be done anytime, anywhere. 
And the shepherds have demonstrated that to us. You see, they were supposed to go to the temple to worship, but shepherds weren't really permitted in the temple because of the filth, because of what they had come in contact with. And yet they were able to worship. You see, worship is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's who you are and what you do. It's not a moment in time. Worship involves also verbal expression to God. Worship has been defined this way. It's a visible, audible, or otherwise public testimony that brings glory to God. It's exalting Him, affirming His attributes, reflecting His character, praising Him for who He is, and making Him known in His fullness to anyone and everyone who has ears. That's what worship is. It's, it is the aspect of glorifying God by sharing Him with others. While the shepherds may have been considered undesirables of society, they understood what it meant to truly worship God, to have a right response towards this baby, Jesus, whom they had just seen. Worship involves verbal expression about God. The shepherds, they left the stable full of joy, but they also had a message to tell other people. Everyone they ran into would hear about it, about the great things that God was doing. In the same way, our worship is a testimony of what God has done in and through our lives. And some of you, it's very obvious. You you know what God has done, and you stop and you say, but for God. And if you come on on January 7th, I think you'll listen to Greg and you'll go, man, God's, God's amazing what he's done with this young man. But for God. And there's things that if you would really dig into your life, you also would go, but for God, there's no way this would happen. And maybe your story isn't complete yet. And maybe God still has something he's going to do in and through and around you. And when that happens, we're to live a life of worship. Maybe the reason people do not have a right response to Christmas is because they're not worshiping God as the shepherds did. Maybe they're keeping their worship in a closet and it's just private and I just do this myself and nobody else needs to know. And when they should be shouting it from the rooftops, letting everybody understand who they are and what God has done. It's an amazing thing happens when we offer our praise to God. When we give God worship, our hearts are filled with joy and that is the reason for a right response because we cannot contain the joy that is within us. You see, if we're understanding the shepherd's response correctly, we have to have a right response to Christmas as well. We have a right response when we confess our sins to God and we realize who we are and what we've done and what we need is a Savior. You see, the angel's message to Joseph was that a child was to be born who would be the Savior of the world. He would bring the world's salvation... And he would save them from their sins. 
So Christmas is not really so much about all the gifts that we give, but it's about the greatest gift ever given in Jesus. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, it doesn't stop there, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, we have a right response when we confess our sins to God, knowing that He will forgive us and allow us to have the right relationship with us because He cleanses us from unrighteousness and He clothes us with His righteousness. We have the right response when we put our faith in Christ. There's not much time left for shopping. Matter of fact, you may have just tonight if you can get to a store that's still open, right? Many of us, we've scoured the stores, we've shopped online, and, and we've sought out the perfect gift. How are the perfect gift that you can receive this year or that you can give this year? It's not found in a store. You can't buy it online. You can't even craft it in your hobby shop at home. The best gift that you can receive is Jesus Christ. And the best gift that you can give is the knowledge of who He is to somebody else. If you've not given your life to Christ, I would encourage you that the right response this year would be that that you gift your life back to Him, and you tell Him, I'm yours. Christmas is such a spiritual time for many of us, but for others it's a time that reminds them that something or someone is missing. It should not be a time of spiritual emptiness. So really, don't wait too long before you put your faith in Christ. You see, understanding the shepherd's response, it means that we learn to respond as well with a heart of content. Our culture has become so discontented that the second most popular day for shopping is December 26th, when all the good deals are out there, right? It's all about the commercialization. But as Christians, we need to realize that no gift is greater than the gift of His Son. There's nothing that you can buy on the store on the 26th that's going to surpass what He can give you today. You see, Christmas is a free gift of heaven. And it's God's gift of His Son to us. Remember last week I made this statement of something I had read. He who does not have Christmas in his heart will not find Christmas under a tree. It's not about the decorations. It's not about the gift giving or the meals or the family traditions or the celebrations. It's about that baby who was born for your salvation. That is the greatest thing we can focus on. We should respond with, as a clear witness to other people. You see, when we respond to God by proclaiming to other people what we know about Him, 
and we use his word in clarity, that is the greatest thing that we can do. Paul wrote to the churches in Thessalonica this, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Our prayer is best that we can pray for people that God gives us an opportunity to share the gospel message with them, that he will prepare their hearts and their minds for the moment we can have that conversation and then give that gift. You see, when the word of God is given exposure, when people hear it and are saved, God is glorified. Matter of fact, Luke records this response to Paul's preaching in Acts chapter 13, verse 48 and 49. When the Gentiles heard this good news about Jesus, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. See, this is the gift that we've got. The gift that we can share in this world is that joy has come. Salvation is here. Peace to the world is in Jesus Christ. God's message is found in His Word, and whenever we give His Word exposure, we're glorifying Him. When we proclaim the Word of God and by it bring others to Christ, we are glorifying God in the most supreme way that we can. For when a person is redeemed, they then start worshiping and praising God as well. And if we get everybody around us doing that, maybe we can be as the multitude of the heavenly host and by our voices of singing the same song, Glory to God in the Highest, we can resound throughout all the hills of this area. This Christmas... I pray that you make sure people see in your lifestyle a clear witness which points into Jesus. The shepherds may have thought that it was just an ordinary night. Just simply watching sheep. But God had other plans. He stepped out of heaven in the form of an infant. And he placed himself as a baby in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem, right there between two parents, Joseph and Mary, who were just newly trying to figure life out as a couple. And then he's waiting for the world to respond. Now, friends, that is the dream that I have of a right Christmas. Storm Gale has written a poem called "'Twas the Night Before Jesus Came." I'd like to close with that. "'Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house. Not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laid on a shelf without care in hopes that Jesus <laughs> would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing their head. And mom, in her rocker with baby on her lap, was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter and threw up the shash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but an angel 
proclaiming that Jesus was here with a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray. And I knew in a moment that this was the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning just like he had said. And although I possess worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. The book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word and he searched for my name when he said, it's not here. My head hung in shame. The peoples whose name had been written with love, he now gathered to take to his father above. With those who were ready, he rose without sound, while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. The words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is fast drawing near. There's only one life. And when comes that last call, we'll find that the baby was true after all. Let's pray.